0: Bless you, Lord. We just thank you for open ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. It's good to have Martin and Richie back with us. So if you don't know these guys, it was probably a month ago. We're in a, like a really serious boating accident up north, um, kind of brink of death kind of stuff like real serious um and and but the lord uh, protected them and brought them through and uh, even chatting to mighty just hearing kind of testimonies and stories it's kind of like you know you, you never you never hope for or, or desire those sorts of experiences and, and yet again god proves himself faithful to bring through and to produce amazing fruit on the other side of that but we're just so thankful that uh, that you guys are here and uh, back with us because you're a treasured uh, part of this community. So bless you guys. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So my, uh, my sermon title this morning is so we've finished our Abundant Life uh, series. So no more Abundant Life. That's it. It's done. If you missed it, it's a shame. Uh, hopefully we'll do it again sometime. So, yeah. Yeah, it's on YouTube. And but No, no. Um, <laughs> Uh, but this morning, I just wanted to talk to you about uh, about being a holy habitation. Holy habitations is the title of this sermon. You might go, "What's what? What's that mean?" And so I'll explain it to you. Um, it, it came as we so we have our staff prayer on a Tuesday morning, and I'm sitting down on that couch right there. It's a holy place, and uh, not because I was there, but I just got the revelation there but uh, but God just drops stuff and he just kind of dropped this outline so I'm like okay that might be what you want to talk about Lord and and so trusting that it is um, but we know God is spirit yes all right cool you even just to nod your head so I know where we're tracking it's like what what spirit yes God is spirit God is present (laughs) God is not far away and distant, but he is very, very close. Now, the reality is God is far away and distant. He is so massive that everything exists within him in some measure. This is what we call the transcendence of God, the bigness of God, the hugeness of God. He is creator. So everything that is, has been created, God is outside of that and the one that made that happen. And yet God is not just transcendent, but he is also imminent, we say. He is closer than he could ever possibly be to each person that is filled with his spirit. So God is so huge, and yet he has decided and chosen to make his home in each one of us. It's kind of crazy, it's big, it's a huge concept, but it's just something that we have to receive by faith. Well, yes, God, I know you are so big, but you're not far away. And even sometimes in our experience of God, he can feel far away, but the truth is he is not far away. He is so close. He's made his home in you. He's chosen you, and he chooses not to leave. He chooses to stay. So we know that God dwells in what we call the heavenly realm. The Bible talks about the heavenly realm. So what is heaven and where is heaven? Now, I didn't grow up in the church. So I didn't go to Sunday school. Uh, But even for myself, not being in the church, I kind of had this concept of heaven, of what heaven was. And really, it was this kind of place that one day you'll go to, and it'll be really, really fun. There'll be roller coasters and fairy floss and all the wonderful things that you love. Chicken parmigiana, maybe I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, a few people into that. Um, and all of these wonderful and amazing things. It's like this kind of paradise, beautiful space. And, and oftentimes, I think the gospel that we hear really proclaims to us that one day when you die you're going to go and live in this beautiful wonderful paradise where there is no sickness there is no death God is there present it's wonderful and it's amazing and that is a true reality I'm not sure about the fairy floss and the things but you know there is this reality coming where we will dwell with God forever but if we think that God, that's the only kind of time that we're gonna meet with God and be with God and dwell with God, then we're, we're kind of stopping short of the mark of actually what God desires for us. Because the Bible is very clear that even though God dwells in the heavenly spaces, He's also chosen to dwell in us. So He's actually chosen to make us a heavenly place. If the heavenly places, that's where God dwells. That's where God is King and Lord. Anything that He wants, He it gets done. Anything that He says is obeyed. And it's the kind of place where God loves to be. He designed it, He created it, and He loves to dwell in that space. And so we take this distant kind of far off place, far off in time, because it's when we die, far off. It's kind of like it's up there somewhere in the sky, this heavenly place. And yet as Jesus came in the flesh, he brought this reality of heaven to earth. And then not only did he bring that as an expression, but then he says, and you, I want you to do the same. So I'm going to make my home in you. You are going to be a heavenly dwelling place for my spirit every single day. That's amazing. That's crazy. That's a huge concept. But it is reality and it is truth. And I think we, it's up to us to take on that responsibility saying, so what does that actually look like? What does it actually look like for me to live as a heavenly dwelling of God? The prayer, the Lord's prayer, Jesus' prayer, the prayer that he said for us to pray is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that reality of whatever happens in heaven would happen in me. Whatever happens in heaven would happen around us. It's amazing. And again, it's a, it's a realm. It's not a physical place. It's kind of like a, a space that exists in the same kind of... Uh, like it's right here. Heaven is here and yet it's not here. It's here in that it's, it's like a, it's another dimension if we want to think of it in that way. It's not a far off place. It's just another dimension. So Jesus, when he was on earth, his message was about the kingdom of heaven and he would say to people, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is right before you. So his message was repent, which means change the way you think. You need to not be thinking that heaven is this far off distant place where God dwells with the angels. You need to understand that heaven is right before you. It was in the person of Jesus. So when he's saying to someone, heaven's at hand, you could reach out and you could touch heaven right now because heaven is here in the form of Christ. And then as Jesus departs and he says to his disciples, it's better for you that I go. Surely not. Surely it was not better for Jesus to be face to face with his disciples. He's saying, No, it's gonna be better because when I go, I'm gonna send my spirit, and my spirit's gonna come and dwell in you. That's cool. I think to myself, now I reckon I'd really love having Jesus with me. I reckon that'd be really, really cool to have him like walking side by side and be able to ask him questions and to, and to get to know him and to see him do miracles. And yet Jesus, surely the smartest person that's ever lived, said to us, it's actually better that I go because if I go, then I'm going to send my spirit. That the spirit of God dwelling in us is better than Jesus dwelling amongst us. That's amazing. That's amazing. So it means that he actually is with me and he is walking with me and I can ask him questions and I can see him move, but he does it through me, not near me. This is good news, people. So we say, okay, there's this heavenly realm and wow, God is huge and he's big and angels and, and, and heavenly is so awesome. And then the Bible says, and we dwell in heavenly places.
1: What are you?
0: What are you talking about? Well, it says in Ephesians chapter two, verses four to seven. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when you were dead in your trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ, if you are a born-again believer, if Christ has made his home in you by the Spirit, you are right now seated in heavenly places. So you are dwelling on earth, and yet at the same time you are dwelling with Christ in Christ in, in heavenly places. It's amazing. It's not what the teaching's on. There's a whole teaching just in that scripture, let me assure you. But I just want to help you to understand that heaven is not far away. Heaven is not far away. Heaven is in you. The God of heaven is in you and he wants heaven to come out of you. But it means he's he's got to get the hell out. I didn't plan on saying that. And I was thinking, should I, should I say it? Yeah, I'll say it. You can handle it. He wants to create the atmosphere of heaven within each one of you. The, whole, the Bible says the Holy Spirit's made his home in us. But it's really important to understand he's not renting a room in you. It's not just that he's moved, moved in and it's like, I'm just, I'm just gonna take up a bit of space in the house of your heart, if we wanna look at that as, as imagery. No, no, he's, he's purchased the whole thing. He's purchased you as his home. So if you were to rent a room in someone's house, maybe some of you do that. You've kinda, you got a room and you rent that room, you pay money for it, and so you're allowed to be in that space. But you don't own that room. Someone else owns that room. You know, you have to make, you have to ask permission to make alterations for things. You can, you know, you can't just do whatever you want in that space. You're not free to use the space as you wish. You're actually confined in what you can do and how you can actually operate in all of the other rooms in that house. So if we understand Holy Spirit, his presence in us is like he's rented a place in our hearts or part of our body, He ends up being confined to only impacting certain parts of us. He's like, well, yes, you can, you can come and take residence in me. I invite your Holy Spirit to come and dwell in me. And you can have that little part, that spiritual part of my life. Or, or you can have that Sunday part of my life. And maybe sometimes on a, on a Wednesday or a little bit on a Friday, yeah, no, you're free to, you're free to do whatever you want, within the confines of that small space that I allocate to you. So he doesn't have free reign to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul's saying, when I entered into Jesus, I entered into everything that was accomplished. So I was crucified with him. It means I died and Christ rose again in me. 1 Corinthians 6 19 to 20 says, do you, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Your whole body is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God. You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. The Holy Spirit's not renting space in your heart. He's not renting space in your body. He's not interested in taking up residence in just some areas. You were bought with a price. You are not your own. Say, I don't belong to me. I've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. We can sing it. We can take communion. We can acknowledge all of those things. And, but it's, we can look at it like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for that thing that you did for me so that one day I'll get to dwell with you forever. But when we acknowledge that, we're saying that work has been done. It's not for a future time. It's for a now reality that I acknowledge that His blood has paid a price for my redemption. But part of the price that was paid is that He bought me. I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to Him. And He's come and He's taken up residence, but He's bought the house. He's bought the whole lot. He has purchased us as his home. We have now become a temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we read the Old Testament and we understand that uh, God said, build this place for my spirit to dwell. And they had the temple and there was different parts of the temple and and there was the Holy of Holies. And we know when Jesus was crucified, when he gave up his life, the temple curtain was torn. The, The thing that separated that most holy place from the rest of the place the temple, the outer courts, the inner courts, the holy of holies, the body, the soul, the spirit maybe, that it was broken out and the Holy Spirit was released to fill the whole temple, the whole place. That's what happens in you. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you read the Old Testament and you look at this imagery of the temple, he's talking about you. It's a a prototype of what was to come, that God wouldn't just dwell in these kind of geographical places around the earth but he would now dwell in every single person that he has purchased by his blood that you would become a holy habitation of the lord that you would become a mobile tabernacle a mobile temple i don't know how else to uh, to translate that scripture except for I must be a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're welcome to give me some other kind of conclusion to that, but that's that's what it says. It's pretty clear. I'm just sharing the Scriptures with you. So the Holy Spirit has moved in. He's purchased the whole thing. He's purchased all of you, and He's moved in, and you need to know He's got some renovation plans. He's got some ideas. He's been jotting down some, some sketches like, I reckon we could move some things around in here. I reckon we could maybe clean out that junk room that you've kind of got. Everyone's got a junk room, yeah? Everyone's got a junk drawer in the house, you know that thing? Yeah, you just shove everything in there. We'll, we'll deal with that later. Yeah, God doesn't, God doesn't, he's not interested in junk drawers. He's not interested in junk rooms. He's not interested in the shed out the back just being left there packed with all the stuff. He's going through every place and he's making plans to renovate you. And so the question is, well, what sort of house would God want to live in? How would God design his house if, for him to be most comfortable in that space? What would God change about your internal world to make him feel more at home in you? So where heaven is the place that God desires, well, he designs it, he maps it all out, and it's exactly how he would have it. But as you have become a holy habitation of the Lord, as the reality of heaven has crashed into you and He's made His home in you, then we have to be asking, well, Lord, how would you want to set up this house? The question isn't, well, God, I hope you're going to be able to fit in with my schedule that I run in my house. I'm hoping your your furniture's kind of going to fit in the spaces that I give to you. It's like, no, no, no. I've moved out, God's moved in. And you know who's renting space? Me. (laughs) I'm the guest in the house of the Lord. This is the point of what we call sanctification. Sanctification is the process of God taking you from where you are to where He wants you to be. Transforming you into the likeness of Jesus. And if we take this analogy of the house, it's renovating your house, the house of your heart, the house of your body, to be the kind of place that he desires to dwell. He loves you, which is why he's chosen to live in you. But it doesn't mean that it's designed in the way that he would want it to be. So if if being sanctified was simply about paying the price for sin, then why did Jesus die for us? So you say, okay, I've received Jesus. I'm a Christian. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I've got to, I, I can't sin. I can't do bad things anymore because then God will be angry with me. And what if I sin too much and I don't get into heaven? And we're, we're still living in this place where we're trying to pay the price for our sin. And the Bible is very clear. No, no, no. I bought the house with everything in it. He bought, it, he bought it, what do they call it, like off-market, you know? You don't even, he didn't even come and view the house. <laughs> What's, what are, sight, unseen. sight unseen, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't see everything, but you know what I'm saying. Like he didn't come and go, look, I'll buy this house. If you can clean up some of these things, can you clean out that room? Can you knock down that wall? Can you make these alterations? And then I'll choose to buy it. He says, no, 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 sight unseen, I'll take it as it is. And, I, and I, he's paid the full price for every part, for all the junk, for all the good bits, for all the bits that he's like, wow, that's amazing, I love that bit. I would not change a thing in that room. But every part he's, he's per- purchased. So if the price has been paid for everything, that means all of our sin, all of our bad bits, and all of our good bits. If we've been made right with God, then what's the point of being sanctified? It's like, well, I'm already gonna spend eternity in heaven with him one day. And this is is kind of my issue sometimes where we've preached this simplified gospel that puts the reality of God as a far off distant thing in the future, that He remains far away and the time of me dwelling with Him is a far away thing. That's not the full picture. The reality is that God was far away. He has come near in Christ And paid the price for our sin and he's come even closer by the Holy Spirit and he's made his home in us. So I get to experience the reality of God, eternal life today. Not one day, but today I get to experience that reality. And then I go, well, Lord, you've purchased every part, the good, the bad and the ugly, but you're interested in creating a holy place in me. So you're not having to fight and, like, and, and tiptoe around the junk in my life and try and just kind of move things and be like, hey, this is not cool. You're still treating this place like it's your own. You're still leaving a massive pile of dishes on the sink. Like this isn't your place to do what you want with it anymore. You're still, you, you, you still left this room and you've locked the door and this room in your heart and you're not letting me in there, but it's, it's not your room anymore. That's my room and I want to get in there and, and clean out some of that junk. Be like, oh, but Holy Spirit, you don't know what's in there. It's like, I do know what's in there. I see everything. This is the weird thing about confessing sin, even to God sometimes, it's like we think He doesn't know. He is fully aware. He is more aware than you are. Because you have sometimes, what can be a gift, denial can be a gift for a season, it it keeps us safe, Uh, but God is not in denial. God sees everything and He purchased everything. So we don't need to be afraid of of being bare before the Lord because He sees it all anyway. Your sin is not going to shock God. sanctification or being transformed into the likeness of Jesus is about building a temple that is worthy for God to dwell in. And this is a renovation project. It's a partnership. I play my part and Holy Spirit plays his part, but it has to be a partnership with the two of us together saying, hey, Holy Spirit, you don't, you don't want to... You're not here to destroy me. You're not here to shame me. You're not here to expose me to the world. You're actually here to transform the internal reality of who I am so that I would be a place where you just delight to dwell and you get to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Holy Spirit made his home in us when we were a run-down, dilapidated shack. We had leaks in the room, the doors hanging off, rats running rampant, that kind of place. But he's not afraid to live in our mess, but he wants to make our home great. He wants to make it amazing. He's not interested in slapping a fresh coat of paint on a rundown building just to make the facade look great. Too much of Christianity is about cleaning up the facade. Yeah, just slap, just give it a good paint job. That'll cover up the rotting wood, you know, and the, and the things falling. Just make the outside look really good. I don't know if you've ever driven through Fremont and you see these beautiful buildings and you, you get past and you realise it's just the facade. It's like they've kept the nice outward looking bit. Too much of Christianity is about cleaning up the outside. Because he's like, I'm not interested in cleaning up the facade. I want to get inside and clean up all of the inside. He's like, I'm actually less concerned about what you look like on the outside. He's not interested in what the neighbours think. He wants the inside great because that's the place that he dwells. Ephesians chapter two, verses 19 to 22 says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So again, he's not just a temple, it's a holy temple because he's a Holy Spirit us dealing with sin in our lives is not because God's cross and angry and He's gonna destroy us if we don't do it. Our, our desire and our delight should be in, I wanna set up this place to host Him so well. It's like when you have visitors over. Uh, this, maybe this doesn't happen in your house, it kind of happens in our house. And it's like, we, we just we kind of tidy up the places where we know people are gonna go. And people don't tend to want to hang out in your bedroom. So you just kind of, Pile everything in there, close the door, and, uh, and you're safe. I know others don't do that, but, um, you know, that's just us. But, but, but you, you want to host the Lord in that space. You want to say, how, how, what can I do in this place to make you feel so loved and so, so comfortable and so present, like this is the kind of place you want? That's what He's trying to do in you. He's not like, you better deal with this or I'm, you're going to cop it. He's like, hey, how can we work together to make this a beautiful space for me to dwell? And the reality is that God is building this internally and he wants to also do it externally. So it's not just that we want these mobile tabernacles of God. Our desire is then to see that manifest all around us so that we have a church community that is the kind of space that God would want to dwell Now, he he dwells with sinners, he dwells with the broken, he he dwells everywhere. He's not afraid of mess. But we're taking on that responsibility to honour him and say, you're worthy to dwell in a place that is worthy of your presence. I want to have that posture before the Lord. Not afraid of what's he going to do, but I delight in you being comfortable in me and amongst me. One Peter two four to five says, "As you come to heaven, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You're being built up as a spiritual house, so again, there's the individual, and there's the corporate. I think God is." I think God is most interested in, in dwelling in us more than he is in dwelling amongst us. Yeah. And I think sometimes as Christians, we can get caught in this trap of desiring God to dwell amongst us for our sake. But when God shows up amongst us, it's for other people's sake. So He's in us for our sake, but He manifests amongst us for the sake of others. So we can sit here crying out for God to like, oh, would you show up, Lord? Would you show up, God? Because we wanna kind of have this experience of Him. And yet the reality is He has shown up and, he, and He's not moving. He's in you wherever you go. So again, it's not even in a heightened time of worship that we get to encounter Him. It's on your drive to work. It's, it's every moment we get to have those sorts of encounters, but we have to turn our attention to Him, Him in us, dwelling in us. But God shows up and God shows up in the Bible, but in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, it is for the sake of others outside of the church. So for me, it's like, man, I wanna, I wanna see a community of people who, who delight in creating holy habitations in themselves. So God is free to move in them, but also amongst them. Like God can tell me, go and do that, and I'm there. Speak this out, and I speak it out. Move in this way, do this thing, and we're just so fully present with Him that we'll go wherever He wants us to go. We'll say whatever He wants us to say. That's heaven on earth, and it starts in us. But you know what I would desire to see is a place where God then starts to manifest because between us then relationally, we're creating holy spaces. That he would show up in a place. And again, this has being prophesied over our community that God would manifest himself Physically, so that people would drive past and see God, the fire of God on this place and would be drawn to it. I, I, I desire and I would delight to see the day where people who are far from God, who know nothing of God, turn up on this place that I don't know why I'm here, but just something drew me here? And you're like, the presence of God drew you here. And they can come into a time of worship and, and things might be going crazy and awesome and, and they just encounter God. Not because somebody even preached the gospel to them, they met him face to face. He showed up in a dream, whatever it is, but they're encountering the reality of God. I've got a whole nother teaching, which I'm not going to go into, but um, it's about the difference between hearing and obeying and tasting and seeing. And I think often when we present Christianity to the world, we, we focus on hearing and obeying. So we, we tell people this is who Jesus is, this is what he has done and this is what he calls you to do and we, we invite obedience to that, a response to that. That's good and that's right. But sometimes we miss out on the taste and see because <laughs> the Bible says taste and see the Lord is good. When you, when you have a taste of him, when you experience him, so that's the difference. Hearing is just airwaves moving and impacting you but you're not consuming anything. When you taste, you're taking that in, you're having an experience of that. And then in that place, revelation comes. So I think we need to be, have be a hearing and obeying, but also a tasting and seeing. But I'm like, you know what? I think people are going to, in this place, they're going to taste and see God. They're going to have an experience of Him. And then they're going to go, tell me what that means. Tell me what's going on in me. And we can say, this is what it is. And this is what He calls you to do. It's got to be a both and reality. So there you go. I'll shove another sermon in there for you. God has the best plans for you. His renovation plans are amazing. And he's not going to demolish the entire house. So we need not be afraid of his destruction. He's in the renovation business. Every work that God does is good for us. There may be some things that need to be torn down but it's probably because they're holding up structures that aren't sustaining the holy habitation. They're not good things. He's like, I know you're really leaning on that thing right now. I know you've got a lot of trust in this thing right now, but unless you allow that thing to be torn down by me, I can't build a better thing in its place. Whatever he builds will be far greater than what stood there before. This is the heaven to earth mission of God. This is what Jesus began and he's fulfilling in us. He wants to make earth look like heaven and it starts with us. Heaven in us. God wants to create the atmosphere of heaven in us. So heaven is where God dwells. Heaven is where God is fully in charge and fully obeyed. Heaven is where God is fully honoured for who he is. And heaven is a place that's free from sin. So the question is, how can we partner with the Holy Spirit to allow him to do whatever he wants in us and through us? That takes a massive amount of daily moment by moment surrender to his plans. It takes a daily moment by moment asking of him, Lord, what do you desire to do? I'm having this response what kind of response would you want me to have I'm stuck in this place what do you want to do that's going to bring me freedom out of that place Lord I know there's this structure in my life that's sustaining me right now but I know you want to tear it down so Lord I let you have your way in me tear down that thing and I trust that whatever you build is going to be far better so what can we do to create the atmosphere of heaven in us? Well, if heaven is where God dwells, then we need to give our attention to him. So we need to be inquiring of the spirit of God, inquiring of Holy Spirit. Give, I, wanna, I need to give my attention to him. If you were in the heavenly realms with God, you'd, you'd be aware of what he's doing because his voice would constantly be, be echoing. His voice would, there would always be things that he is commanding to do. He would be telling, do this, don't do this, go in this place. And the reality is he's constantly doing that with you. He's interested in your life in, in all the little intricate details. So inquire of him, give your attention to him, set apart time to learn his voice. Now, again, this is the thing where things like spiritual disciplines—so, so prayer, solitude, um, you know, worship, scripture reading—all of those things—they're all really good um, practices that teach us how to live with God in our everyday. What we don't want to do is to define that, say, well, I did my 15 minutes of prayer. I did my 15 minutes of listening to God this morning, or I did my half, half hour of, of reading the Bible this afternoon. And I, so I, I you know, kind of carved out some time for God to give my attention to him. The point of those times is that you would, in that moment of just listening to Holy Spirit, you would learn to hear his voice so that he would be able to speak to you and you'd be able to listen and respond all the time it would kind of be like if you learnt a language and then you never applied that language. You went to a foreign country, you go, you move to Italy and, you, and you're studying Italian all the time. You're sitting, you're reading your books, you're doing an hour and a day learning Italian and then when you go out onto the streets, you just keep speaking English. Well, it's like, no, it's, it's training for what you're doing outside of that. So again, to take those, just but, but to learn, I want to hear his voice all the time. I want to inquire of him all the time. So we need to give our attention to Him. So if heaven is where God is in, fully in charge and fully obeyed, then we need to be asking, Him, Lord, what do you desire? And then obey what He tells us to do. It's hearing and obeying. And then you might say, but I don't, I don't feel like I hear His voice. That's okay. You can look at what God has said in the past, which is what we find in the Bible to read the Bible and do what it says. Can I please encourage you not to approach the Bible as just a, a book of information that you can file away? Like, oh, I feel better now because I read the Bible. Look, there is revelation and there's all a lot of good stuff in there. But the point of that is when you hear God speak is to obey what he said. And Jesus even makes it clear in the scripture, those who hear my words and obey them They're like wise builders who build their house on the rock. Those who hear my words and don't obey them. So he's not talking about non-Christians. He's talking about Christians who hear him and don't obey what he said. It's like, they're like foolish builders. They're building something, but it's not on me. So it's like, I'm hearing what God wants to say, then I'm just going and doing my own thing. So the reality is if we're just consuming Scripture and not obeying it, there's the potential that we're becoming more foolish than what we were beforehand. That doesn't make sense because the Bible's full of wisdom. It is if it's applied, if it's obeyed. So if you're like, yeah, I want to learn to hear from the Holy Spirit. But in the meantime, I'm going to lean into the Scriptures as well. And to say, I'm going to speak. And if you see something that Jesus says, go and do this thing. Read the Gospels to see Jesus did this. Well, he wants me to do the same. Okay, I'm gonna, how can I find an opportunity to do that? God, give me boldness to do that. You say, go on, heal the sick. Okay, Holy Spirit, that sounds really scary. But I know you're with me. I know it's your desire and it's something you've told me to do. So Holy Spirit, would you point out a sick person? Would you bring someone across my path? And would you give me the boldness to step out and do that? Would you cause me to think less of myself and more of that person? And what you might do in them. So we need to ask and hear and obey. So if heaven is where God is fully honoured for who he is, then we need to seek him. We need to learn who he is and allow him to transform our perspective of who he is. The reality is you don't see God as he actually is. You have a picture of God. You'll have an image of God. That image will be informed by your childhood perspective on authority figures. It will be formed by what you've heard from the pulpit of who God is. It'll be formed by your experiences in life. But everyone has made God sometimes in our own image. And so part of the kind of revelation transformation process is actually discovering this is who he is. And again, it comes from when we read the Scriptures or when we listen to a sermon, we hear someone present a perspective of God and the question is, do I see God like that? And if I don't see Him like that, then I'm, God, would you change my sight? Would you allow me to see you as you really are? Would you transform me and heal me that I'm able to have that perspective? Where I've judged you, Lord, as being one thing, would you reveal my judges, judgments, lead me in repentance so I can see you as you truly are? Amen. If heaven is free from sin, that's God's desire from you. For you is to live free from sin. It's really hot in here. <laughs> Thanks, Carly. You're probably freezing. You're welcome to to swap with me. Um, yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it's the beanie. Um, That's it. So if heaven is free from sin, God's desire is for you to live free from sin. Now you might go, hold on, Brad. (laughs) You're talking next level stuff here. I, I never believed that I could live free from sin. Now, again, I'm not talking about making mistakes and making poor choices and do all that sort of stuff. I think there's things that we do that we realize afterwards, oh, cool, that that wasn't good. I'm talking about when there's those heart motivations that lead you to do things knowingly that are against his will and his desire and his plan of righteousness. Okay, I'm not talking about temptation to sin. Okay, Jesus was tempted in every way and yet he chose not to sin. I think what was explained to me in my early years as a Christian, and in some theological traditions, there's this kind of this premise of, well, you're just a sinner saved by grace, and you'll always be a sinner, so thankful that God, because of his grace, he hasn't crushed you and killed you. Well, he has killed you because you've been crucified with Christ, but you know what I'm saying. He's just punishing you and keeping you. So you just got to live constantly in this place of, thank you God for your mercy and your grace because I'm such a wretched piece of crap. You know, it's good news. (laughs) But for me, it's like, I know who I was, but I know what he has done in me and he is transformed me in my spirit that justification place so just I'm justified in Christ it's just as if I'd never sinned so that's how I stand before the Lord and now he is appropriating that finished work of Christ by his grace because of his blood because of his sacrifice everything that he has done he is now working that out in me Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to work for His good pleasure. He's, he delights in the renovation process. But I'm coming to a place in my life as I've yielded to His transformative work that I'm like, I, f- I feel like I could live without sin, and I'm I'm so excited about that because sin is tormenting; it's consuming. It's crushing, the guilt and the shame. I'm like, Lord, but you can do a work. You can do such a transformative work that we could live free from sin, not free from the temptation, not free when those that thought comes back or that history concept comes back. I'm I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that. I would then choose in that moment to obey Him and to live in freedom. So if heaven is free from sin and heaven has come to dwell in me and I'm being conformed into the likeness of God so that he would dwell most comfortably in me, then I need to confess my sin. I need to repent of my sin. I need to ask God to search my heart. I need to get serious about sanctification, get serious about the renovation that God wants to do in my heart. I long to see the presence of God manifest in this place and in this city. And I believe God desires that too. Not that people would just hear about God, but would actually experience His reality. That they would have undeniable experiences of His presence. Not just when they come here, but as you go there. That people would meet Him because they've met you. We want this place to be, a God's, to be a place of God's habitation. As it's been prophesied over us, how amazing would that be? Not to take away the responsibility of our individual process of transformation. But I just kind of wonder as we take that seriously, as we come into agreement and say, yeah, we're going to fight for that. We're going to fight for one another in that place. That he will show up because it's the place places like he's drawn to be there. We can't keep expecting God to show up amongst us when you, we're not willing to allow him to show up in us. An orphan heart cries out for God to do something that he has already done. An orphan heart cries out for rainfall when he's put a wellspring in you. It's an old way of thinking, God, would you show up and would you change me? And God's like, I have shown up and I have changed you and I'm trying so hard to to renovate that space. Would you let me? Would you yield to the process? Hosting the presence of God starts with each one of us, creating the atmosphere of heaven in us, allowing him to renovate our hearts, our minds, our souls to be a place that he is most satisfied to dwell. Confronting sin should be a delightful process for us. Because it's creating more delight in the Lord in us. I think we need to shift some of our focus of being fearful of being exposed because of sin. Rather than joyful about that he would reveal it and deal with it. And I would be free from it. So that he can more freely Live in me and through me. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to pray. Won't you stand, if you can? If you're not able to stand, you can stand in your heart. God sees your willingness, your desire. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that heaven is here. That heaven has broken into the earth. It started with you, Jesus. And it's being carried on by us, Lord, your people. That you, don't, that you no longer dwell in temples made by man, but you dwell in us by your Holy Spirit. We've, we have become temples of the Holy Spirit. We have become your dwelling place. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, would you help us just to turn our attention towards you? We acknowledge your presence. We give our attention to you. Give us understanding and revelation. that we have been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. And Lord, I don't understand why you would want to come and live in my heart. I don't understand why you would choose me to dwell in, Lord. But you have. So I want to honor that, Lord. We want to honor that today and say, Lord, we don't understand, but we know you have. So we receive you. We receive you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We receive you, Lord. We receive you, Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and acknowledging I'm I'm not sure if I've ever actually received him or invited the Holy Spirit to come in and dwell in me and I just want to give you an opportunity now just to pray that prayer that prayer of invitation when you just pray Holy Spirit I welcome you to come and dwell in me I acknowledge that I have been bought with a price the precious blood of Jesus. And I long to be filled with you, to be filled with your presence, that you would make your home in me. Make your home in me, Lord. I receive you, Holy Spirit. I receive you, Holy Spirit. you prayed that prayer i'd just love for you to put your hand up just so someone can lay hands on you and just complete that work if you prayed that prayer that prayer of longing to be filled by him it's okay if no one pray just put your hand up high and just one of our ministry team is just going to pray over you and just pray a filling of the spirit thank you lord Keep praying. Father, we pray for those who have just acknowledged, yeah, I feel like I've I've just allowed you to rent a room. But I don't think I've given you freedom to do whatever you want to do. I don't think I've given you freedom just to change things and to work at your place and to tear down what you want to tear down and, and build up new things in those places realize that I've been bought with a price, that I'm no longer my own and I've been holding on to that control that I would do things my way and not your way well Lord yes you can come and live me, just don't touch that thing and just don't touch that place, can you just not go into that room and God you've you've honoured our requests but it's not right. It's not the order of heaven. And it's not honouring you for who you are. Father, where there's fear in our hearts, but if I let go of control, if I yield control to you, what are you going to do with me, Lord? I just want you to know God is going to do good things. His answer is I'm going to do good things in you. I'm going to do good things for you. It might be unfamiliar, but it's good. It might cost you, but it's good. If that's you, why don't you come forward? I'd love just to pray over you. If you're wanting God just to consume every part of you, to yield in this time. Understand letting go of control is a scary thing. afraid of your sin and you need not be afraid of his righteousness he's created you for righteousness maybe for you control is not the issue but you just know there's some areas of sin in your life you a heart that is like I just know you don't delight in that Lord I know you don't delight in that heart's in my heart's desire for those things I know you don't delight in those things Lord and I want my life I want my heart to be a place that you just delight to dwell in and we thank you Father you don't shame us for our sin. delight in it either Lord and you are gracious and kind and merciful but I feel like the Lord is just allowing time for you to bring those things before Him He's giving you space to come and meet with Him and to deal with those things If you know, yeah, I feel like I've got a junk room in my heart that I don't know if anyone even knows about, but I know about it. And I spend time in that place. But we thank You, Holy Spirit, that You long to clean out every room, Lord. You go into every dark place. You're not afraid of those places, Lord. You're not afraid of the dirty places, Lord. You're not afraid of the sinful places, Lord. You're not defiled by those places. You come in and you bring your holiness into those places, Lord. But we thank You, Father, it's time for a cleaning out. So why don't you just pray, I open the door of my heart. Holy Spirit, would You come in and would You clean out that place once and for all. We thank You that you, as You come in Your holiness, Lord, You remove all defilement. There's still space in the front if you know you need prayer. Come forward. Thank You, Holy Spirit. You're doing a work of cleansing. You're doing a work removing all defilement, Lord. You are washing us. The price is being paid. You're coming with Your light, Holy Spirit. You're coming with Your healing, Holy Spirit. And we're releasing control to you, Holy Spirit. We yield yield to you, Holy Spirit. Where control has made us feel safe, we pray, Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you tear down that false, ungodly structure? And would you build up a righteous structure in that place, Lord? of dependency because you are in control you are trustworthy to be in control and when we let go of control Lord things don't fall to the ground they fall into your hands Jesus and you are capable to hold our lives you're capable to hold our lives Lord you're capable to hold our responsibilities Lord But Lord, we confess we are not good at being God. You are God and You are the only one that is good at being God. So we yield ourselves. We say, God, come and be God in me. Come and let heaven dwell in me. Come and let righteousness flood me. Let Your kingdom come and Your will be done in my heart as it is in heaven. You're doing a good work, Lord. You're doing a good work, Holy Spirit. There's still space at the front if you feel like you need some prayer. Even if it's not for what I've shared, you just, you know, whatever, if you have a need, come forward. We'd love to pray and have Holy Spirit minister to going to keep praying and ministering here but we just release you if you got kids you might need to pick them up in a couple of minutes but please hang around in the foyer grab a coffee some morning tea get to know someone new bless you guys don't forget life hubs dna groups lots of good stuff happening